0: Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And
1: me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality.
0: We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together
1: spiral higher. Welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. We are so excited to have our next guest here with us. Her name is Cynthia Noy. She is a transformational business and mindset coach and actually one of my personal coaches. She's also a mom of two and she's also a cycle breaker. She helps her clients unlock their authentic expression in life and on social media. And her mission is really to empower women to do that pivotal inner work to heal generational trauma reclaim their voice, speak their authentic truth, all the things that we talk about on this podcast. So welcome to the pod, Cynthia. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys for having me. Like, I'm so excited
2: to be here to get to talk about the things that we know and love. And like, for me, I'm all about like deep conversation. Like let's go into the deep all the time, you know? And so it's nice to have a podcast that just like dives into that without having to do like the surface
0: level, like, Oh, how's the weather? And like, that's cool too. (laughs) you know. No small talk here. Yeah. Deep talk only. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, Cynthia, I want you to take us on your journey. So what took you from, I believe you were in corporate. Um, so you're working a more surface level job, something that didn't really fill up your soul. And then you went on this journey of becoming a solopreneur. So tell us more about that. Yes. Yeah, so
2: I, I mean, if you met me like four years ago, like you wouldn't even recognize me because my energy back then was so messed up. And that I was focused on all the wrong things. I was focused on climbing the corporate ladder and making sure everyone knew how well I was doing. I used to work at a, it's a sports TV broadcast company. That's pretty major. And I was like, oh my God, like, look at me. I'm meeting like Phil Jackson and like, I'm seeing all these people and like, they're traveling at me everywhere. And like, I was posting all this stuff on social media that was like, oh my gosh, look at me, look how great I'm doing. But inside I was like, struggling. And I didn't know I was struggling, which was kind of like the crazy part of it because everyone was like, oh my gosh, you're doing so well. You have it all made and all this stuff. And it wasn't until my first son was born that Mm. I really started to open my eyes to the way that I was living life. Cause I was like, holy shit, like this kid is going to inherit like everything from me, my fears my worries, the way I do life the way i go about life the way like i prioritize like making money over everything how i you know put all the things that light me up as like second tier because the most important thing is to like make sure that my parents are proud of me and that i'm making money and that i have like, a really stable job you know what
0: i mean Yeah. I mean, I think all of us fall into that trap, right? Of thinking that we need to maintain appearances and status. And like you said, money becomes more important than our actual like interests that light us up from the inside. And so it's so beautiful that by having your son, it sounds like all of a sudden you had to reorganize your priorities. Yeah.
2: It was like the great awakening when I started to just notice like what was governing my thoughts and my worth. Really, I was equating my worth to like the number in my bank account and how successful mm-hmm. I was, and with that, like it kept fluctuating and it kept just like going up and down. And I was just like, I don't want this for my kids. Mm-hmm. I don't want their worth to be like something that they measure and can go high and go low. I want it to be this very static and like trusting, like permanent. Yes,
0: exactly, exactly. I can't. I so I'm actually the only one in this group that doesn't have a child, but I can't imagine what it would feel like to hold your child, right? And see this person with perfect worth. And they haven't done a single thing to earn it because it's l- love is not earned. Worth is not earned. Yet all of us go outside of us trying to earn it, like you said, through money, through status, through literally anything that has that is outside of us. But like you said, it's always fluctuating right? If we put our value in money, then as soon as you pay the bills, then your value goes down again, right? It's always going up. It's always going down. So how do you think that people can start to find permanent worth instead of finding worth in externals? Ooh, that's
2: such a good question. So it's always an inside job. It's really about like digging deep and asking yourself, like, what am I measuring myself with? And is this, does this feel right to my soul to be measuring myself with like numbers in a bank account or how many promotions I've gotten in a year? Or, you know, it's really getting kind of like a deeper perspective of like, how did I even develop this belief system? Like, how come this is the way that I judge myself? Like, where in my life has this happened? And for a lot of us, it's like everywhere, right? Like we were taught at a very young age to abandon your inner voice and to like not listen to your gut feeling or intuition to really focus on your head and what everyone else is doing and like what so-and-so is doing, like what your cousin's doing. And like, it was just very baked in to our culture and to our society. And I think that's why it's so important for us to, when we start this journey, to start to unlearn before you even try to do anything else. It's like, how much of this BS
1: Mm -hmm. do we need to shed before we can actually get to the realness? We We have to clean the slate. Well, and I was going to just say that we also need to reparent ourselves. That was a term that I only learned when I had my daughter, and it makes so much sense. And I mean, so much of what even, Sam, you're doing even without a kid is really reparenting yourself, right? It's going back to figure out where did this start? Why do I have this belief that I'm only worthy or good if I do this? And it's very sneaky, right? Because I think I used to take a lot of pride in the fact that I was really good at my job and I could start anything and be excelling it, you know? And it was, I, again, thought I, it was part of my personality, right? I was like, this is just who I am. And until you really have something, I guess, to reflect to you that, hey, like, I don't even think you want to do this, (laughs) you know, like this isn't actually bringing you that kind of joy that you think it's actually bringing you. So then what was that moment for you, Cynthia, where you, like, was it immediate as soon as you had your son? Was it a very gradual process for you? What was that like?
2: Ooh, I love that question because it definitely wasn't immediate. It wasn't like a lightning bolt hit me and I'm like, oh my God, everything makes sense. It was a really, <laughs> really like slow and kind of painful journey of like yeah. unraveling and waking up to a lot of things. Because what happens is you start to realize like a lot of um like the patterns that you have, the cycles that we have of like negative thought patterns and beliefs about yourself. Like all of that was like inherited. And then it was also like your brain always wants to make you right. Right. So you have all this proof in your mind of like, Oh yeah, you really are a bad person because of this. And you really are like, you know, you messed up because of this. And so you start to like really, um, get down about yourself and like where you are in life. Um, and that's where it's like, I really want to remind people that the awareness that you have is the most magical thing that you can have because now you can shift it. And I think that's the part that I kept forgetting was like, okay, yeah, now I know that, you know, I probably am not the best mom and I'm probably not not, like the best working and all that stuff. And it's so easy to go down that shame spiral and really like beat the shit out of yourself and like all of that stuff. Right. And so for me, it's really important to like celebrate the awareness and be like, okay, now I know I have this pattern that does not make me feel good. And does that make me proud of who I am, right? But I get to choose like from this point on, like what is the new pattern that I can create? And like, what is the new thought I can choose? And it was really hard. It was really freaking hard. I remember doing like affirmations on the way because I live in LA. So like traffic was like one and a (laughs) half hours to drive like 18 miles. Like I shit you not. And so like, I remember just like doing affirmations in the car and just saying things like, I am a good person. I am a good mother. I am enough. And I remember bawling because at the time I didn't believe it to be true.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing too that really precedes awareness that so many people are trying to avoid is pain. We have to experience pain to get to that point where we actually do get on our knees and literally ask why? Why? Why am I like this? Why am I experiencing this? Why like this? Why right now? And that's really when the self-inquiry just kind of bursts open because, you know, when things are going really good, when the conditions are perfect, we don't really ask that question, right? We just, Mm. we just get to float and enjoy. And that's part of life. That's the duality. But, you know, pain is what really precedes, I think, so many people's expansion. And it's so sad that so many people are trying to avoid that and are suppressing that. And so I'm curious to know what was the painful moment for you Right. But that, that contraction that really preceded your expansion.
2: I mean, I didn't even realize for a lot of my life that I was avoiding pain and I was like, truly like binge drinking on the weekends because I was like, Oh my God, I can't wait for the weekend. So I can like drink and like, forget about everything and not feel, but I didn't know that was happening. I was like, Oh, this is how I feel good. Right. And it's also normalized in our culture. It's it's yeah. not weird at all for us to do that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but for me, I do recall like a moment where like I was having a fight with my husband um, who is just this amazing, kind-hearted, like the nicest man you'll ever meet. He just like sees the good in everyone. And I remember just having this fight with him where I was literally like berating him and like just calling him out for like, oh my God, you're like, so terrible. How could you forget this? And like, just going on and on. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, how am I talking like this to the person that I love, who I like adore, who like lifts me up to like the highest degree and who's getting emotional.
1: I know. Yeah. No, no I'm getting
0: emotional too, because I mean, I, I literally just, I had that fight like yesterday. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard. Like, I think that, um, Sometimes you, you'll you act out, you know, old traumas, old versions of yourself. You, you repeat a lot of the things that you witnessed in your childhood. And so if you don't mind me asking, was that something you witnessed also in your home, like your parents fighting? And if you don't mind.
2: You know, that's a good question. Um, a lot of my parents fighting was done behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. So I don't even quite know what those conversation pieces were like. Um, for me I think it came to that because I was so insecure about my own self worth and I thought like if he was doing this that means this, that means he doesn't care about me, that means he doesn't think about me the way that I do Um, um, and so I'm sure there's a thread there that I haven't
1: (laughs) tapped on yet (laughs) Yeah.
2: Um, but for me that moment was a really um, strong highlight of I don't want to be talking to the person I love this way and I do recall like moments like where my dad would just like kind of snap at us because he's had a long day and me being the child like not understanding like where is this coming from like I, I like I don't even understand like what I did wrong and was it that terrible and then starting to internalize it you know so maybe it was a pattern that mm-hmm. like subconsciously was downloaded because that happens a lot too right mm-hmm. um and so for me, I think that's why it's so important for us to reparent, like Gina said, to like kind of like re-imprint ourselves from like those years that we may not remember and remind ourselves of like, hey, like what you're going through, like I'm here for you. It's not okay. Like whatever's happening, is not okay. And here's how we can see it for what it is and give ourselves so much love and compassion for it and almost like claim it and be like, hey, like. I don't want to be talking to you this way. And I feel like really shitty for doing it. And like, I don't want
0: to say that it's because you made me become this way because that's not true. Like, Well, we we go to that because we have to avoid the shame of how we've acted, right? So I mean, I've been there, Gina's been there where we have just totally lost our cool. And then in an effort to protect ourselves from the shame that could result from how we've just acted, we have to Obviously come up with a reason for why we acted that way. We have to justify it. We have to justify it, right? And I think that's how so many fights continue on and on and on. we We never take responsibility for it, and so we never break that cycle. But um, wow, I mean, what a powerful moment to just be standing in your own shoes and realizing i I don't want to be this. i don't I don't want to replay this.
1: And I think with the whole reparenting thing, there's so many layers, right? There's the layer of reparenting maybe the patterns that we did witness in our in our parents, but it's also like then also having compassion that maybe we didn't get or the love that we were seeking that wasn't really translated to us in that way either. So there's all these these different angles. I think that I've had to reparent myself and it shows up in so many different areas. Um, I remember when I went to um, my last therapist and he was like, you have perfectionism tendencies with your child. And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I'm not a perfectionist anymore. I've dealt with that <laughs> with work. I'm not like that anymore. And it's so true though, because in an effort to protect Emmeline from having the trauma that I had, I was trying to be a perfect mom. Right. And not letting her experience any of that. But I think, again, going back to the reparenting thing, I then had to have compassion for myself. Number one, that it makes sense that this is maybe my reaction from what I've witnessed, but also having compassion and for that shame. And I think that shame part is, it comes up so much too, because I'm sure for you, Cynthia, there was shame for you in that moment but then was there shame following that even as you did shift into getting into the the more soul work away from the corporate stuff? Cause there's shame there too. Even when we're making the better steps towards healing.
2: Oh yeah, totally. That's like one that I'm like constantly working with. And like,
1: I want to say like when I'm,
2: when I was having that fight with my husband and I had that realization, I didn't stop and correct it right away. I still went on to be like, of course, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I wasn't like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry that I spoke to you. Like, like that, Conversation <laughs> didn't happen probably till like weeks later, you know, right. because I was still like, "Oh my god, like I'm so like terrible," and mm. how did I get like this? And like, mm. how many times have I done this in the past? And how much oh has he, you know what I mean? Like the shame spiral is like truly like it can go on for forever.
0: It can.
1: Um, mm. And it, does. It's it's
0: awesome. and it does. It does until you just bring awareness to it. But oh my gosh, Cynthia, I mean, you're preaching to the choir. I was, I was just there. I mean, this morning, like, oh my gosh, like how many times have I acted like this? Like, oh my
1: gosh, how do I move on from this? And so I'm What not, do you do, Cynthia? Yeah, what do we what do? do, do <laughs> when we, like I said, like I talked about this, I think in our first episode, like the time needs to match the crime. And sometimes when I do lose patience or whatever, we act out in a certain way. It's so hard because I'm trying to welcome in forgiveness, right? Forgiveness for self and understanding and compassion. But there's just an element of like, oh, like, no, you're not going to get away with this. And you did this too many times. And it's really hard. So what is your advice on that? I mean, I'm
2: still working through it too, to be honest. (laughs) But I think a, a big key thing too is like realizing that I think sometimes we make ourselves feel wrong to make ourselves feel better like mm. we're we're like oh my god i can't believe i did this and da, da, da. and we kind of like that's the way that we show that we care cuz like look how how much i'm beating myself up over this and like this has happened mm. to me recently too where like i I'm, I'm currently using my cousin's laptop it's a 2014 macbook because mine I had all these issues right and like um, my son had spilled water underneath it, and it like it started flickering. It broke, and I was like, "Oh my god, I feel so bad. I just broke his laptop." Like I called immediately, was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna get it fixed. Like I'm gonna get all your data off of it. Like I'm so sorry. Like I'll pay you the like the value that it's worth, right?" And he was like, "Oh wow, I don't use this laptop. It's fine." And I was like, "But your data, like I'll get all your data." He's like, "There's nothing on my laptop that I use," and I'm like. Oh, but okay, and then like I still proceeded. You're like, how will I
0: repent? How will I repent for my sins?
2: <laughs> <laughs> to just be like, oh my god, I can't believe you did this. Like you broke another computer, and like I just right. like continued to kick the shit out of myself because I was like, oh my god, like I need to like feel bad about this mistake that I've made, and mm-hmm. like he needs to know how bad I feel about it, even though he's like, dude, for reals, it's fine. <laughs>
0: no doubt data it. yeah (laughs) oh wow so then okay you know what this is really pointing to something that I've come to realize in my healing journey which is that when we are desperately seeking forgiveness from another person we're really just looking for it from ourselves and so even after this person told you numerous times there's literally no data on that computer I literally don't care like you still couldn't get over it and so I don't know. This is such an this is such a beautiful topic and such beautiful timing to be talking about this because how do we how do we get ourselves there if it's not the other person that needs to absolve us? How do we do that for ourselves? Because it seems like there's just so much resistance. We don't we don't want to let ourselves off the hook right I mean looking from the outside, anyone could have been like Cynthia who cares like he doesn't he doesn't mind like just move on. but you' were like, no, he has to know how terrible I feel that I've made this mistake and so obviously we're using the laptop as and metaphor, which was yeah. a real life example of yours. But there are many times when the laptop getting destroyed is you yelling really horrible, mean things, right? And there are times when my husband, I'm sure your husbands too, have been like, you know what, let's just move on. It's funny. My husband this morning literally said, let's just try to make the most out of today. And I was so resistant to that <laughs> because I'm like, I can't, I can't make the best out of today because I've been such a horrible person. It's it's like, I need to go and do like 10 Hail Marys or something before like I can move on. And so if, if I'm not a religious person or if our listeners are a religious person, you know, what sort of self-forgiveness exercise can we really call upon here?
2: Whoa. You know, when you were saying that, I realized that maybe it's because we made a mistake that we think we don't deserve forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think that's where we call upon, like, the wise inner parent to be like, hey, like, what are you, like, what are you really beating yourself up for? You know, like, what, like, what's making you feel such like a terrible person, you know, and like, How can I let you know that even when you make mistakes and even when you do something wrong, where you like lash out on your child or your husband, that you are still worthy of love and acceptance, like just as you are? Like, and I think for us, right, I think feeling unconditional love is new territory. And so, like, It's so hard to even understand what that feels like cellularly, let alone like have our thoughts like understand it, you know?
1: Mm, So true. It's so foreign. It really does feel backwards. You know, it's we're so used to tolerating and living in a space where we just have so much self hatred and, you know, just that shame. Like that feels more normal than it does to forgive myself and like love myself through those times. And so, Like you said, I think it starts with that awareness. And then it really is just this constant calling back to can you hold yourself now? Can you love yourself now? Can you accept yourself now? Like, can you see yourself? And sometimes, like, what helps me is seeing myself as a child. Because when I see myself and I've lashed out at somebody as an adult, it's kind of like, you should have known better, you know? But when you see it as that inner child, that's really the one lashing out inside. There's then it's easier for me to access that compassion for myself. But um, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a work in progress because, like you said, it's just not we're not used to it. And hopefully, that's how we're breaking the cycle for our kids, right?
0: Hundred percent. But you know, I think we live in a world that is very conditional, right? We get we get awards when we. Achieve things, right? Or when you break the sales goal, it's like you get a big party, and you know, it's we're constantly earning worth and love. And so, like you said, Understanding unconditional love on a cellular level is just one thing that we ha- a lot of us don't have installed. But like you said, it's also really hard to just understand that conceptually with thought. You know, I mean the words unconditional love, we 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 know what they mean, but I don't think that we really feel what they mean until until maybe, until maybe you have a child and then your heart just blows right on open. Or or maybe you're a pet owner right? And you can experience, I mean, even in that way, like there are so many times when I've totally gotten mad at my dog and he just doesn't care. He just like still loves me. He doesn't make me (laughs) repent. He doesn't make me repent for being a mean owner. He's just like, oh, she was mad for like five seconds and now she's happy again. So, Mm -hmm. and you know, that's so interesting. Dogs or animals, they don't carry the past, right? And I think that's the difference between us and maybe animals, we have a consciousness of the past. We have a consciousness of the future, which is why we experience so much regret and also anxiety. And so I think that in order to move into forgiveness, we have to live in the present, but in the present, past and future die. And I don't think that sometimes we're willing to let go of our past or our futures.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I mean, (laughs) I would love to find out from you then because obviously now we've talked about how that really was a catalyst for your awakening right and then you quit your job so then what was the journey after that i mean i think again the whole point of our podcast is talking about spiraling higher and how you probably had to keep on repeatedly you had to keep on repeatedly showing up for yourself overcoming the shame overcoming the blame all of that kind of stuff so talk to us about that journey for you as you were leaving the corporate world to now pursue something that was so near and dear to your heart? And how did you find that this was what you wanted to do? How did you come to that?
2: Ooh, that's a, these are all loaded questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I
2: do want to set the record that I didn't leave my job. I was let go from my job. And mm-hmm. that was for me, something that I had to work through that I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm so ashamed that I was let go. And then there was another part of me was like, bitch, you manifested this. Like you asked oh, yeah. to be let go. You told the universe when I find my purpose, Take me out of this job in a way that would be like, I don't have to make the decision. There is a severance, which I, I got, you know? And like, I felt so good about it, but there is still like that older version of me, like the older adult inner child version of me that was like, I can't believe you got let go. And I was just mm-hmm. like, you know what? Like, no, like we claim this. Like I was let go during the pandemic. It was both a shitstorm, shitstorm, and the best that's ever happened to me because I got to go all in and like there were offers for other corporate jobs and I got to stake my foot in the sand and be like, no, like I'm choosing me. I'm choosing whatever the fuck lights me up, even if I don't know exactly what that is because I want to show my children that I'm Mm. living a life of purpose with like so much intentionality that I'm putting my fulfillment and my heart first above like how much money I'm making, and how are we gonna survive? And I know it's really hard, like for me to like even wrap my head around, like, are you serious? Like you have two kids, like you have so many fucking bills to pay and all this stuff. And I was just like, but I know that the universe did this for me. And I have to continue on this path because I have been asking for this. I have been asking for a life of impact. I have been asking for a life where I could be at home with my children while also changing the world and doing work that I actually freaking love.
0: You know, I love this so much because with so many of my clients, um, a lot of this happens, right? When we start actually claiming to ourselves and to the universe, what we really want, anything that's not in alignment with that starts to fall away, And then my clients will start freaking out because they're like, well, not like this though. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, what you've asked for is already taking place. Maybe not in the way that you asked for, right? But you don't realize that right now, this is actually what's leading to your expansion. And so I love what you said, how it was equally a shit show. And I think that was to your conscious mind, the part of you that was still operating in fear. That part was saying, this is a shit show but the deeper part of you that was opening itself up to the unknown and your expansion and your purpose was like, perfect, right on time. This is this is splendid. <laughs> and I think like we have to kind of, when we are moving into these versions of ourselves of our and of our lives, we have to be able to have those both perspectives because fear is always going to say, this is a bad idea because you're now moving into the unknown. Anything that's not known is just a threat to our brains. That much I have realized. If I start to do something new and I've not done it before, I just fully expect brain is going to freak out. It's going to tell me that I shouldn't do that. It's going to say you should probably go back to the old thing. I mean, Gina and I came up against that with the podcast, right? Totally new thing, no experience. Our brains are like, "Yeah, you should probably just leave it to the professionals. Don't do that. <laughs> just go back to whatever you were doing before. You have that figured out." And so, how did you really how did you navigate that because this is the part in which most people's journeys, they give up. This is when they go back to a different corporate job. Um, maybe they get a little bit of traction, but then like one other "quote unquote" bad thing happens, or thing happens that they perceive to be bad, and then they just use that as oh, this is this is proof that I need to go back to the old thing. So, how did you stay strong? How did you keep your faith?
2: Honestly, it was a number of things. Um, one of the biggest things was literally talking to myself. <laughs> Like I became that person where I like literally would talk to myself all the freaking time, like in the car by myself. And I would literally self-soothe and be like, this is fine. This is fine. This is okay. And a lot of my work has to do with just like visioning. So I took myself through different processes in my mind. So one of the processes was like first acknowledging all of like the pain that I was feeling about being let go and just like all the things that I never got to say. And, um, really just letting myself have those feelings of like fear and holy shit, what's going to happen. And how am I going to pay the bills? And just, I let myself, and that was like the scary part of it was like, oh my gosh,
0: I'm just letting myself spiral like down, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just mm-hmm. letting well, that's that. not- it, It's so interesting that that's the inherent belief that we have, that if we let a feeling happen, then we're just going to be all consumed and never come out of it, and it will just get worse and worse. But what's so interesting is that it's actually the suppression that makes it worse and worse. And so, yeah, kind of take us through your, your process of fully feeling a feeling, because there are way too many humans on earth who don't even know what that means. Like, how do we fully feel fear without trying to do something about it? Because- That's kind of where our psyche goes right away. We feel an oncoming of an emotion, and then we're like, "What do I do about this?" And you know, Gina and I have been really sitting with, "We're not going to do anything about this. We're just going to be with it." Mm -hmm. Right? So how how do we do that courageously? Because it feels like the one thing we're all trying to run away from. I mean, it's (laughs) it's why it's why you know pharmaceutical industries and alcohol—they're thriving because we can get away from this. And so, how do we do that, Cynthia? How do we sit with a really scary feeling? I love this because I think even for me,
2: like I didn't even know how to access that. So I would do this, like I would call it the I allow practice. And I learned this from, I think someone on Clubhouse (laughs) and it was literally saying like, I allow blank and it Mm. could be anything. Like I allow fear. I allow like losing my shit. I allow feeling absolutely worthless. I allow being so afraid that like everyone's going to judge me. My parents are going to think I'm a piece of shit. Like I won't be able to afford rent or like my lease and all that stuff. Like, and equally, I would also allow the possibility that this could be the best thing that ever happened to us. Like I would Mm. also allow that this was maybe the possibility that I could show my kids how to break the cycle. And kind of like doing that in, I think honoring both sides, right? I think for me too, I was so conditioned to only see the negative that the positive, like I wouldn't even know how to have that thought of like, what is the what is the possibility of this being a good thing for me, you know? So it was really, honestly, getting really honest with what I was feeling, even if it was like a million different emotions, you know. And once you allow it, like you'll see which ones make you cry. And those are the mm. ones that you need to surrender to. Yeah. And fully surrendering looks like you curling up in fetal position, like bawling your eyes out and like sobbing uncontrollably sometimes. Yes. And like, that's what we're trying so hard to avoid. Like this yeah. breakdown is like what we're trying so hard to avoid. But you all know this, like once you allow that, like, the emotions move through you mm-hmm. like it passes, but when we aren't allowing and we're holding on and we're running away through like, like alcohol or binging Netflix, which has been my personal favorite lately. <laughs> right? mm-hmm. It's like, once you allow it, like it just breaks open and like, then you're able to see, you're able to mine it for the gold that it was always meant to be, you know?
1: One of my favorite quotes is sometimes you have to break down to break through Yeah, sometimes you do. And yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: I think it's just that I think, like you said, you know, sometimes like fully processing and feeling can look like laying in your bed in fetal position and just literally uncontrollably sobbing. But the problem is what we make that mean right? Because I think a lot of us, if we allow ourselves to do the fetal position cry, then we go into story making again about what that means. It's like, what am I, it, it becomes, what am I doing with my life? Why am I being like this? You know, why is this happening to me? Why is everything going wrong? Because we haven't been socialized to understand that emotions are just that, you know, we don't know how to experience emotions without a story. And so that's been my practice over the past few months is just how do I experience a feeling without a story? Because every time you feel sad or angry, notice that there's associations you have with that. You start thinking different things about yourself. You also start superimposing thoughts about your life onto that emotion. When in reality, the emotion is just, like you said, it's, it's a passing fleeting thing. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if um, when working with your clients, if that's something that you help them with is like, how do we start divorcing the story from the emotion and just allowing the actual physical sensations to just arise? Mm, this is really important because I
2: think, I think this, will, this will be a great time to kind of share the exercise that really changed my life when it came to like inner child healing. It's called the on the bus exercise. Um, I learned it from a licensed therapist um, on a podcast called Mommy Millionaire. And Amazing. It, yeah. it was, so the idea is that you are on a bus and this bus is going in the direction of your dreams. And the different passengers on these bus are different versions of you. So there's like the toddler version of you. There's the adolescent version of you, the teenage version of you, uh, the version of you who just got broken up by her first boyfriend and the version of you who just got her first job. Um, but didn't feel like she deserved it. Like all these different versions of you are on this bus. And when you're going in the directions of your dreams, like you need to ask yourself, like, which version of me is driving? And once you kind of like, get clear on who that version is, you can then kind of like create the separation between who you are currently right now or your highest self. And then kind of like, to that emotion and like give yourself permission to feel it because it's not I think feelings we we kind of attach it to ourselves like I am sad like I am mad but we really need to be like I feel this Mm -hmm. and have it be like separate from us so we also reclaim our power of like I can also transform this feeling Mm -hmm. I can also change this about myself and a lot of the things that I I walk my clients through is like this almost like matrix re-imprinting of like Mm. everyone, I mean, we hear that ages zero to seven is when we are the most conditioned, right? And a lot of us, I don't even have memories from that age. I don't know if it's like trauma or whatever it is. Like, I don't know how old I was. And for me, it was really important to acknowledge that this version of me has something going on And something happened to her that created a belief that she is now using against herself. And Mm. how can I give her permission to feel this because she didn't know any better? And Mm. she wasn't equipped with the tools of how to navigate these feelings of rage, jealousy, grief. And how can I just really just sit there and be with her and be like, let me just hear you. Like, let me just listen to your story. Like, what was your perception of what happened? And what did you not know? And what do you wish you knew? And what do you wish someone told you?
0: So for anyone listening, I mean, this is really what reparenting looks like. It's talking to the younger version of yourself, right? Because, I mean, not just exclusive to Asian children, but I can speak on that experience and all of us here are Asian, but pretty <laughs> much pretty much any emotion that wasn't just, you know, content and happy was problematic, right as soon as you're crying or having a tantrum you're angry none of that was okay all of that was a disruption to whatever was going on in the family um you know you were deemed to be a good kid if you were basically just being kind of quiet and like keeping to yourself you know, in within my childhood, um, in my household, I was always the good kid. I didn't really have a lot of emotional outbursts. Um, and it's funny, because I got attention as that, like, golden child, my brother had to obviously be the opposite, right? The black sheep, <laughs> like, basically being completely emotionally inconsolable. Um, my parents were so concerned about him because they were like, we don't know how to, like, we they didn't know how to handle these emotions. I mean, let alone even regulate their own emotions because they also face something similar as a child. And so I think that honestly, so much of healing, like you said, is inner child healing, but just being able to normalize a feeling. Because that's all that we're avoiding is feelings. Even every fear you have is a fear of a feeling, right? We think we're afraid of losing people or, you know, of getting sick. But at the end of the day, we're really afraid of what's underneath that, which is, well, then I would feel bad or then I would feel scared. Then I would feel this. And we just don't know how to feel those things. And so I think, yeah, a lot of the things that we have to unlearn are that
1: these aren't bad, mm. right? They're just
0: feelings.
1: Yeah, I love what you said, though, in there, Cynthia, with that exercise, which, by the way, she did that with me in one of our coaching calls and bawled my eyes out. <laughs> um, because it really is like, what does she need to hear? What does that version of you need to hear? And that's what the version of us needs to hear right now. And and now we have this opportunity to be able to heal those past versions of ourselves by us stepping in as that inner parent and telling ourselves everything that we've been just seeking to hear from everybody else around us. And so that for me was so transformational and and I use that all the time now. I mean even in my own just daily life when I do notice I'm getting carried away with a certain emotion or I'm getting triggered it's like who's driving the bus right now? And that really helps to kind of identify like what version of me is being triggered. And what version of me needs to be healed in this moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: what version of me needs to be heard? And I, I like, I think the other thing too was um, feelings. I feel like we have an idea of what's acceptable and what's not. Yeah, and yeah. that's what needs to be normalized, like within our bodies, like like feeling sad, feeling hurt, feeling jealous, feeling envious, like feeling like you've made a mistake. You know, all of these feelings are normal and okay and acceptable. And even expressing it is normal, okay, and acceptable. And because we haven't found healthy tools of how to express that, we internalize it or try to escape it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the work for us is literally identifying Emotions, feeling them and allowing them and then letting it pass. Because the more that we do this like mental Olympics of trying to like avoid and, and hide from and <laughs> escape, the more that it's just being stored in our bodies to be mm. let out in unhealthy ways that we prefer not to. And then we kind of like restart that cycle of like shame and regret.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we also manifest careers and relationships that aren't really in alignment with our authentic self, right? We're showing up as our inauthentic self and trying to access these other feelings without feeling our shit, <laughs> without healing our stuff. And so then what we end up manifesting and attracting is not really in alignment with our, our whole self. And so I'm kind of curious, like how you work with clients, because I know that one of your specialties is that you're really helping them unlock their own authentic expression, helping them really bring the unique matrix of them to their work. Um, How do you kind of help them uncover their truth and really get them to bring their whole selves into their businesses?
2: You know, it's really interesting because it's a lot about, like people come to me for business and a lot of um, like, how do I show up in this? but it's really, I do a lot of like inner healing work with them because what they come to me with is I'm not, it's not okay for me to show up as I am right now. Like mm. if I show up as I am right now, like people would think I'm unprofessional. They would think that I'm not well-versed in this. They would not trust me. And my, the way that I coach is like, I just ask them questions that really help them to see themselves and have their own breakthroughs. And mm-hmm. so I really want to empower them to have their own tools of guiding themselves. And so I'm always asking them like questions like well what what do you really want? Mm-hmm. And what do you what do you want to say that you have stopped yourself from saying? And what in the past have you made yourself wrong for thinking? But that was your truth. Mm. So, I mean, if you grew up like me, where I was like similar, very similar to you, golden child, people pleaser, peacemaker, empath, super sensitive, like I kept so much of my thoughts and beliefs to myself, and because I was getting praise for it, right? I was like, oh, they like me better when I'm like this. So right. that in turn means that what I actually think what I actually want doesn't matter. Mm. And so a lot of my work is just reminding them like, hey, what, what you want matters. And I know
0: it's like annoyingly simple. <laughs>
2: like, hey, what do you want? <laughs> like I asked them, what do they want? But there's so but you're many you're giving layers. them
0: permission. You're giving them permission to admit it to themselves because they felt so scared to admit that because of what other people would think. Um, of course, starting with the with their parents, right? If the parents weren't approving of who they wanted to be and what they wanted to do, then you will just naturally assume that no one else is going to approve of that either. If your own parents wouldn't, then why would anyone else?
1: Mm-hmm. I loved the work that we did together because, I mean, really, we have Cynthia to thank you, for the fact that I'm on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. you know, because that was part of my story. And it was, it's funny because I did come to her originally kind of like, okay, I really want to show up online and start, you know, expressing my, my, my voice and sharing my perspectives. And I didn't realize how deep you would have to go back into my childhood and really understanding why is there this fear in the first place, you know? And that's actually why I know you have your program called Real Talk. I would love for you to kind of touch on that and why it's so important I mean, because there's so many programs out there on how to make a good TikTok or how to gain whatever amount, amount of followers on Instagram. But the work you're really doing is not about the metrics. It's it's doing, I actually called it preschool, kind of like the pre before you can go into that stuff because there is so much work. Because going online is so easy to compare. And I think it's so easy to get into that arena of starting to show up and we instantly revert right back to those old traumas and those old thought patterns. And so I would love for you to share how did Real Talk get birthed? And yeah, what's the premise behind all of that?
2: Yeah, Real Talk literally birthed itself. (laughs) The universe was like, hey, you're teaching on this now since you're really comfortable online. And I was like, excuse me? You think I'm comfortable online? Wait, wait, who who told you this, right? And they were yeah. like, no, for you and your trajectory, like the way that I was, because I am very introverted. I, growing up, I would consider myself shy. I was the person, like all my friends ran for student council, like, hey, president and all this stuff. And I was the one who made their posters. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got really used to hiding and I got really, you know, it became a part of my identity. Like, oh, I don't yeah. need to be in the spot. Like, I, I don't like it. It wasn't made for me. And then I started to ask myself, like, how much of that is true? Or are you just afraid of trying? And so for me, Real Talk was really a way that I could share my journey that was so sacred to me of like how I started to come out and how I started to show myself. And it was this very gradual thing because I know online everyone's like, I'll get you to like a thousand followers in like a month and like, you know, it'll be great. you get so many clients and all that stuff. And I, I really, that really bothered me because I was like, that's not the point. The point is you having the courage to show up, you cultivating enough internal safety for you to be like, Hey guys, here I am. Um, Mm-hmm. I'm doing this new thing and it's kind of weird and awkward, but I'm going to own it because this is something that I actually want to do. And here's the thing. It's like when it's something that really means something to you, like it's really important to your heart. Like it's going to feel like you're like literally coming out again. Cause you're just like, um, I know you guys knew me as this person before, but like <laughs> yeah. um I'm actually not that person. Like that was like my mask that I put up because like yeah. that's what I thought I had to do. So when you're creating from the heart, it's almost this like extremely vulnerable and scary thing to do. And so for real talk, for me, it was like creating this like internal safety and like ways that we could practice showing up as our true selves and having that community of like other people being like. Oh my god, I'm so scared too. And mm. oh my god, this is so awkward and like, you know, and for me my my journey was very um gradual, which I loved. You know, like honestly, if you told me like 3 years ago like one of my my videos were going to go viral and I was going to get like all these like messages like good and bad. I would have literally jumped back into my hole and been like, what the fuck? Like I told you this wasn't for me. Like, this is like so much. Like, why did I step to, into the arena? I wasn't ready for all of this. Mm, right? Right.
0: And so real talk, just to clarify for our listeners, is obviously how you prepare creators to show up online. Yes. And face their, yes. face their fear of showing up. Yes. And yeah. reels
2: and TikToks. Because I think video makes it really hard for you to hide. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And yes. we have all these tools to edit ourselves and like to really like dilute ourselves. And I think it's important for us when we're first coming out to just be like the silly, awkward, weird, crazy, spiritual, woo-woo. Like I literally have like seven crystals
0: right here with me right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's so important because being yourself is... It's it's the thing that we were told to do as a child, but we weren't modeled actually how to do it, right? And so it's so confusing because you're growing up and they're like, be yourself, be yourself, but not like that. Be like be like that. And so our entire life has been kind of building up, like you said, this mask, this persona that we can present to the world that is acceptable, right? We think, okay, if I act like this, if I look like this, if I do these things, then I'll be accepted. And so then when we go to create, you to create authentically, you have to move into the truth of who you are. Otherwise, you're not going to stick out. You're just going to look like everybody else. And what do we, who do we want to follow? We want to follow someone who's so authentic, someone who doesn't talk or look like anyone else we've seen before. And all of us are uniquely this, right? But in order to show up in that way, we're going to come up against so many of our fears. And so um, tell us more about what it looks like to exist inside of real talk, which, by the way, people, it, it's actually so um, quirky. It's spelled R E E L, like real and then talk T-O-K. But when I heard I it, I first thought it was like real talk. Like we're going know. to you know, get get down <laughs> to the genius. meat of things. So it's very genius. But essentially in this group, I'm assuming you really help people overcome their fears. So tell us about what this container looks like and um, how people can kind of get involved.
2: Yeah. So a lot of it, what it is, is that unlearning process. Like I'm teaching how to let go of what you think you need to show up, like how you need to show up what you need to say, even like the whole idea of like providing value, value, value. Like I'm deconstructing that because when you yeah. put on that pressure of like, Hey, everything you need to p- you post needs to be valuable. Like that intrinsically makes you feel like, uh, like oh, what, well, I don't know but what I have to say is valuable. And yeah. my message is like, it's valuable that you're just showing up as you, whatever mm. the heck that looks like right now. You know, and that's why like, if you follow me, you'll see a lot of like vulnerable moments where I'm just like crying Mm. or like when I'm just like, I've just had a really difficult time because for me, it's all about normalizing what it looks like to be a human. Mm. And I'm not put together all the time. And I'm not like, you'll see like videos where I'm just like, this is what my house looks like right now and like this is what you see. Like you see right here mm-hmm. like a door and a window. Like down here there's like a blanket, there's toys that I haven't picked up. Over oh, there is like a pile of like <laughs> water bottles that have been tossed, you know. And I'm just being real with it because people are like, "No, I need to show up. I need to have like the best lighting. I need to have the best mic. Yeah. I need to have like all this stuff figured out." And I'm like, "No, you don't actually." Oh,
0: it's so funny because we don't actually want to see that. We want to right. see relatability. We want to see someone who makes us feel human, right? And so I just find it so odd that everyone thinks they need to be so perfect before they show up because we we like want to see people mess up, not because we want them to fail, but because we just want to know that they're not like a robot, right? You know, i I told my clients once before um who were so afraid to show up online. I was like, you do realize that if people thought that you were perfect, that you'd be so unrelatable and you would you would lose engagement because they'd be like we can't relate to her right we we love reality tv because it's like oh celebrities they're just like us and like right it re- they reveal their shit right on tv no matter how scripted it is right but we're seeing what goes on behind the scenes we get to see that um what what kind of happens behind behind the curtain and so i find it really odd that when it comes to creating online we're like trying to show up as these like perfect effing versions of us and it's like no one even wants that
1: everyone just wants you to just be a normal person <laughs> I just feel like social media is kind of like a giant high school all over again. You know, I feel like everyone is, it just goes back to that inner child stuff and why that part is so important to heal because we need to give value so people will like us, right? We need to post something that everyone will like so that we're now accepted. So it's kind of the same thing as having like the coolest backpack before you go back to school or like the nicest outfit or whatever. And so it was really interesting. I wasn't expecting for me to have to process all of this stuff before I could post an Instagram post. Like, it doesn't seem like those two are connected at all, um, but clearly they are. And I mean, I can speak from my personal experience of being in the program. It was so healing and so um, inviting for me to be able to be myself because you were so yourself. And I think that's really what happens, right? When we show up authentically real, you know, as we are and, and we're relatable, it gives the other person permission to do the same thing.
0: Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it also allows you to create your best art because I, I want to really think of social media as that sort of medium. It is an art medium. And if you were a painter and you were constantly thinking about how to make sure your painting was good enough so that other people liked you, that would get in the way of your artistic expression, right? When in reality, art is really just Created for the sake of creation itself, not for approval. And so we have to really ask ourselves, and I'm sure you ask your clients this all the time with inside of Real Talk, you know, what are you creating for? Is is this really for like likes and like approval, or do you have like a bigger purpose and mission behind what you're doing? And I think that once they can actually identify that, then showing up becomes less daunting because there's a reason why they're showing up and it doesn't have to be perfect as long as they're actually fulfilling their purpose through it.
2: Yes, I love that. And really, leaning into showing up for themselves. Like I'm just showing up because I am proving to myself that I can do this. And what I found that was like the real hurdle for people when it comes to showing up authentically is there is a little like trace of shame or fear of it not being enough or, oh my gosh, like so-and-so is going to see my house and be like, are you even a good mom because your house isn't clean, right? And so Mm. I had to... Really reconcile that in my in my heart of like I'm a good mom no matter how you what you think about me like that's why the yeah. internal safety is so important it's like you have to be your own advocate of like no I've decided that I'm a good mother and anything that you say is not my responsibility because I stand rooted in my truth like I'm a good mom like how it looks over here with like all the books all over the place and toys all over the place that is like not even the point.
0: You know? Right, But that's so interesting because that's just conditioning, because no one even said that you were a bad mom for being messy. That's just what you were conditioned to believe could right? Like no one said that. And so I find what's so interesting is a lot of the times the judges we're so afraid of, they're just living inside our own head. No one even suggested that you were a bad mom because you have blankets and toys on the floor. You just came up with that conditioning because maybe your mom felt like she was a bad mom until she cleaned the house and didn't want to have guests over until it was clean because that would make you guys look like a messy, disorganized family. And so all of this is just leading you to believe, oh my gosh, if there's toys on the floor, then I guess I'm a bad mom. And then you getting to that point of like self-inquiry and realizing, wait, none of that means I'm a bad mom. This just means toys on the floor. It's meaningless yes right? right but it's just so funny how we create those negative meanings when like h- how could it ever mean that toys on the floor means you're a bad mom
1: exactly or
0: but like, how we, could it we, mean
1: that we post something and we don't get a lot of likes and now yeah. all of a sudden we have no value like how did yeah. that how, can, how, how did that how does that make any sense how Like how does now that my make voice doesn't sense? matter at all because one post you know didn't perform well it's crazy yeah oh my god that's so funny yeah, the meme making is just out
0: of control. Like, we just, we take things too far.
1: <laughs> but then I love, Cynthia, the work that you do because it's, like, Cynthia is just, like, the safest container, you know? And, and the, the work that she does, um, first of all, I will say, it was annoying at first when you kept being like, well, what do you want? I was like, you tell me. You tell me what I should do.
0: But that's the thing. We're we're so trained out of self trust. We as a child are not really given the opportunity or agency to actually do what we want to do. We're taught that we can't trust ourselves, and we need to look to other people, like parents, teachers, friends. So that is
1: annoying if you have never done that. But that's why she's almost coaching you into being that inner voice and and trusting your inner voice. And so I think that's really probably the biggest thing that I really learned um, um, through my coaching with her was first of all noticing my own voice and then like actually trusting it and listening to it and being okay with it and like loving it and and a big one for us um i think sin was talking about safety and feeling what feels safe to post so i would love for you to touch on that and what you share in your program. Mm,
2: yes. So safety is a big thing for me especially because i had a massive fear of judgment from like everyone. And so I think when you come into the online space too, you think like, oh, I have to tell everyone everything about myself. And I have to tell every bit of the story so that like, that's me speaking my truth. And if I don't tell everything, that's me not speaking my truth. And that's just not the case. Like as the creator and as a business owner, like you get to choose what parts of you, you share and what parts of you you keep sacred. And so the example that I learned was like, okay, so if you're trying to share a story, because for me, I share a lot of deep trauma of stories. And so it can get really murky in there. Right. But I, if I'm getting ready to share something that's really vulnerable, that's me, like speaking my truth and like putting out my opinions that I'm afraid someone might disagree with. I'm checking with myself and being like, okay, is this story that I'm telling, like, is it if I'm standing in like a river of water, like, is this kind of like at my ankles where I'm like, okay, I can kind of tread through this and like, I can walk through this or is it at like my waist or at my chest? That's like, okay, this is like, I'm scared. This is like too much. So that's kind of how I check in with myself to see like, okay, is it safe for me to share the story about how I just yelled at my son and like, am I going to be ready for when people come at me and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you yelled at your son. Like it's so blah, 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 blah right and if it's like yeah that's at my feet i can handle that then i'm like okay this is safe for me to share and post and then mm-hmm. also to checking with like okay what platforms and what spaces do i feel sh- safe sharing in because there are some things that only make it to like my instagram close friends there is some mm-hmm. things that only make it to instagram stories there is only some things that make it to like tiktok like there's all these different avenues where i feel safe to be different versions of me. And I don't know why exactly Mm -hmm. yet, but I just know that for me, this unlocks this part of me, this unlocks this part of me. And I'm just going to keep practicing in those spaces, in those safe spaces as I'm like, that's how I'm increasing my comfort zone. That's how I'm getting the like reps in and Mm -hmm. speaking my truth because I haven't done it for like 30 freaking years of my life. So it's going to be scary when you start to be like, Hey, I actually don't believe in that. Or, hey, I actually believe in this. And it's opposite to what they've been teaching about parenting and living for the last like 30 freaking years,
1: you know? Totally. Well, I think it also just then highlights just how much we keep checking outside, right? Like, is this okay? Is this okay? And I love that the work that I did with you before I could feel safe in posting and and find that safety, it also shows shows up in so many other areas of our life, like that self-inquiry that we were talking about before, right? If you are kind of like yelling at your husband or something, then kind of going inwards and doing that inner self-check. Um, so I, I just feel like that whole, like I said, that inner dialogue that happens before you post has really helped to help me in other areas of my life as well because – I really wasn't looking inward. I wasn't checking, does this feel safe to me? Does this feel good to me? Does this resonate? Is this really me? Or am I acting in a certain way that I I feel like I have to be, you know, for the other person to accept me or receive me? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Cynthia, I just am so obsessed with the work that you're doing because when we show up in non-fear, when we show up in faith, when we show up in love, we create worlds, I mean, we can create anything. I think about how Gina and I have created this entire new space and entity that just didn't even exist. And um, in order to get here, we had to alchemize so much of our fear. And um, yeah, when we give voice to that fear, when we hold that fear, when we witness that fear and when that fear hears the words, me too, I yes. feel that too, something, something transforms, something gets released, something evolves, and um You know, I love that we're having this conversation and I'm so grateful you came on here because I think that I always tell my clients and Gina and I talk about this all the time, but suffering happens in monologue and healing happens in dialogue. So as soon as we start opening our mouths and sharing our trauma and talking about the things that have caused us pain and grief and leading us to our awakening too, um, we're helping other people move through that. So thank you so much for sharing your truth, your wisdom, your light.
1: I love it. We have actually one final question for you that we ask everyone at the end of our episodes. Um, and we would love to know, since our podcast is called Spiraling Higher, what is a lesson in your life that has shown up repeatedly that you've had to spiral through? You know,
2: that's a great question. <laughs> I feel like I'm learning a lot of the same lessons over and over. But the first one that comes into mind is reminding myself that I am enough exactly as I am. and there, like the universe will make space for you when you show up as you are. And I think we lived for so long thinking like, no, 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 there, there's not enough space for me and my voice and my thoughts and my feeling don't matter. It's like, no, like you, as you are right now, flaws and all, all like unhealed trauma and all, all of the still, um, decisions, poor decisions you've made, even though you know better, like you are still enough. And I think what kind of like dawned on me that I forgot to mention was like feeling unconditional love in our bodies is difficult because we never felt it. And that's the work, right? Like it's, it's weird and it's foreign because we've never felt unconditional love before and unconditional like acceptance before. So we get to experience what that is. And it might feel like, is this right? Is this wrong? I don't know. Right. But then leaning back into like, I am enough, and whatever I'm going through still qualifies me to be a worthy human. Like, Mm. that's kind of been like the repeat cycle that they have me on. It's like, I'm still enough, even if I do this. Like, I'm still enough, even if I, if I like, you know, preach about like being a great parent, but then I'm like snapping at my son. It's like, yes, you're still enough. Like, you're still human, and we still, like just see you as this like beautiful pillar of light and you're doing the work like they chose us like our ancestors like our like whatever you believe in like they chose us to do this because we are the feelers and we are the healers and I'm just getting
0: emotional because I know <laughs> me too. <laughs> oh my God I needed to hear that.
2: Like your guys' podcast alone is gonna like literally change so many people's lives. And I'm so grateful that you guys got over your... Whatever you had to go through to be here to share stories like yours and like mine on
0: here. So
2: thank
0: you you for having me. And of course, we'd be crying. (laughs) Of course. It's time to heal. (laughs) You know, healing healing is ugly crying and um, also experiencing mind-splitting joy just all within the same day. So. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Thank you for spiraling higher with us. And um, we'll definitely put all of your links in the show notes so that beautiful people can find you and hopefully join real talk and alchemize their fear with you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought
1: you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. Here's to spiraling higher.